Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. In this week's episode of the podcast, I want to talk about inflation. So what exactly is inflation and why is it relevant to us right now in the general public, but also more importantly, as property investors. So inflation is very simply the buying power of money. So each unit of currency can buy an item or pay for some goods. If the cost of those goods go up, if the goods become more expensive, then the buying power of that money is less and less and less. So basically what you earn in your job every single month, that amount of money lands in your bank account. Can you still buy your shopping for the same price? Can you still pay your gas and electric for the same price? And can you live in the same means? And when inflation goes high, it means basically your money will not go as far as it previously did. Now the government's target for inflation is always 2%. That's their long-term historic target to keep inflation at. And obviously over the last, what, 12 to 18 months to two years now, inflation has been riding way higher than that. In one point, well into the mid 15 odd percent, so into the mid teens in terms of inflation levels. So they got significantly out of control. And this is why the government have used interest rates to try and control inflation. Now I want to talk a little bit about that in the podcast as well, as in why actually increasing interest rates like they have historically done might not give you the same result or as quick a result as the government had hoped to get inflation back under control. So at its peak inflation probably hit about 145 to 15%, but that's what the government data said as official inflation. However, true inflation, most goods went up significantly more than that. Because when you look at how inflation is measured, it's not just the um, cost of your beans and your bread and your, your food in, in, in Tesco's or in another shop. It is actually gas, electric, um, petrol for your car, diesel for your car, but also all other items, so everything and anything in the economy where, which requires currency to change hands. Most of the items that would be sold or transferred where currency exchange hands don't necessarily affect the general public. So even though the government's inflation number maxed out at about 15%, we all know that diesel, petrol, bread, cheese, most of the stuff normal people, the majority of the popula population spend their money on, some of that went up 40, 50, 60, 100%. So you can be affected massively by inflation if you are spending your money on certain items while other people spend their money on other items may not be affected as much. So I know this is a podcast about property investing and how it affects us. This all affects us as property investors in a massive, massive way because the government's play to control inflation is to control interest rates. So their main target is to get inflation back down to 2%. Now at time of recording this podcast, they've started to get inflation under control. 
It's just been announced that it is now just come under 8% at 7.9%. However, over the last few months, interest rates have gone up over 13 times now from 0.1% base rate to a 5% base rate. What that means is that the cost of borrowing, whether you're a business owner, the cost of borrowing if you've got buy-to-let properties or a residential mortgage will go up significantly if you're looking, out to ta- looking to take out a new loan or if you are on a standard variable rate or coming to the end of your fixed rate product. However, it doesn't really affect you at all while you're on a fixed rate product. I'm gonna come back to more about that in a few minutes, but first of all, why do the government use interest rates to control inflation? Well, historically, for 50, 60, 70, 100 odd years, the government have a simple playbook, which is when inflation goes high, increase interest rates, what that does is it controls the amount of money people can spend, because if you can take money out of people's pockets through higher interest rates, then that means they've got less money to spend on goods and services, which means if less people buy goods and services, that will reduce the price. So it'll force businesses, it'll force manufacturers to charge less for their items to bring inflation back under control. If you spend less money in the economy, then stuff stops going up in price. It also brings the government the challenge of trying to control um, wages because with the craziness of the inflation in, in the last couple of years, wages are not being able to keep people sustained with their cost of living. So even the government are looking at increasing public sector wages by 6%. Now if they do, and that happens, it's a catch-22 because if you increase wages by 6%, you put more money in people's pockets, those people are gonna wanna go spend that money because that's the consumer lifestyle, and when they do, that could increase inflation again. So it's a no-win situation in some terms for the government. So their only playbook when inflation goes up is to increase interest rates to bring inflation back under control. Now this worked brilliantly in the 70s, 80s, even in the 90s because businesses didn't owe as much money and investors and homeowners were typically on long-term tracker rate mortgages. Tracker mortgages were the where mortgages tracked the base rate. So basically, let's say the base rate was 1%. A tracker mortgage might be a mortgage that tracked the base rate at 2% above base. So you, if you had 1% base rate, you'd pay 3% on your mortgage. Over the last 15 to 20 years, fixed rate mortgages have become way more popular than tracker mortgages. So if you think about the entire property world in the 90s and in the 80s and in the 70s, if you went and increased interest rates, the whole, the whole country who had mortgages would be affected by that, typically at the same time. However, today, because probably 50 to 60% of mortgage holders are on fixed rate mortgages, by increasing interest rates significantly, you're affecting those on trackers and standard variable rates but you are not affecting those on fixed rates, which means those on fixed rates, half the country have still disposable income, they're still spending money, and the other half, they're massively feeling the pain right now. And what that does is it means that the inflation is not coming down as quick as it should, because if it came down from 15% to 8%, that's a 7% drop. But if everybody was affected, it might have actually doubled the drop. It might be down to 1-2% right now. So some people are not been affected by inflation yet, 
and many people are feeling double the pain because they're taking the burden of other people. So does increasing interest rates help solve the inflation problem? Yes, to a point, but not like it used to in the past. So inflation right now is 7.9%. That's the official data from the end of June 2023. So we're now towards the end of July. The July data will come out in August. But as of end of June data, 7.9% inflation. Now that's actually come lower than the government expected. They are likely to increase interest rates again. There, were th there was a lot of talk of it going up by half a percent. It'll probably go up now 0.25% instead because they've got a bigger drop. The challenge with what we've also got here is that when you put when interest rates up to base rate of 5% and a little bit higher, we don't actually see the effect of that into the future. It'll take six to nine months for that to hit, really hit in the general marketplaces, but it doesn't actually affect you at all in property unless you go from a fixed rate mortgage to a standard variable rate when you come to the end of your fixed rate term. Now there is about 700,000 mortgage holders who are coming off fixed rate products between now and Christmas. That is a significant amount of people. Many of them buy to let property investors. Now just like increasing it, the increase in inflation increases the cost of goods, the increase of interest rate reducing inflation reduces the cost of goods and reduces spending power. If it reduces spending power, it will also reduce the ability for people to get mortgages, which means it's going to mean more property stock available for sale, less buyers, meaning a pressure on bringing prices down. In 2020, house prices went up massively. And the reason they went up was the free money from bounce back loans, lots of people getting lots of money to stimulate the economy, and people deciding that they wanted to move out of the cities and have nicer gardens and so on because um, they had a life realization. So that put a lot of pressure on property prices going up because lots of money went into the economy. But secondly, a lot of properties were not going on the market for sale. Why? Estate agents weren't open. Estate agents weren't open. Estate agents couldn't put properties on the market for sale. And a lot of people, they didn't want people coming in, total strangers coming into their house, touching stuff, potentially bringing a virus into their property. So there was less stock available for sale than for years and years and years, for historically low levels of stock. Yet there was more money available and more people trying to get that money invested into something. With historically low interest rates, you could buy a property, lock in a low interest rate, and it put huge pressure on the property market in an upward trend. Now we've got quite the opposite. Less money available, more pressure on the fact that the money doesn't go as far. Loads of people trying to sell their properties before the impending crash that the media are talking about, meaning way more stock available, very little stuff selling, and less money available. Plus, because of the higher interest rates, you need a bigger deposit to buy a property. Because as a buy-to-let investor, it's stress-tested, and at you need minimum 130% more rental income than you do mortgage payments. So for instance, if, a, if you're gonna borrow 100 grand and that costs you 100 pound a month as example to finance that 100 grand, that would be 1% obviously, but it's an example. So your rental income would need to be 130 pound. So for every 100 pound of payment, your rental income must be 130 pound in a stress test. So as interest rates have gone higher, that means there's less profit in the deal, so you're gonna to have to buy the property for less money to be able to get the same return as you would have got in 2020. 
Now that's actually great news for a property investor who's looking to buy property because you can buy stuff cheaper. You can get into the market right now for cheaper property prices. And as interest rates go up, eventually what goes up must come down. After every rise, there's a crash. After every crash, there's a rise. And interest rates will stabilize. Interest rates will come back down again. And property prices will go up again as well. And I'll come back to that point in a few moments as well about why property prices will go back up. Because a lot of people think they'll never go up again. They'll always go up. So first time buyers right now, they need a minimum of a hundred grand to purchase an average UK property. Why? Because if the average price of a house across the UK is just under 300 grand, the mortgage cost of taking a mortgage out on that property, if you were put to put down the usual 10% deposit, take out a 90% mortgage, well, the cost of that mortgage with interest rates at five, five and a half percent, six percent, the cost of that mortgage is so significant that as a first time buyer, it's based against your affordability from your job, the amount of disposable income you have. And because people have got less disposable income than ever before, what that means is you need a bigger deposit to get into the property. So for a typical 300 grand property right now, affordability levels based on wages versus what you can afford on your mortgage and all your other disposable income are disposable income. Wages not going up means that deposits must go up. And for a typical 300 grand mortgage, you will only be able to borrow as a first time buyer or a homeowner 200 grand. So you need a hundred grand deposit. That is a 33% deposit as a first time buyer or residential homeowner. Now buy to let investors have always been able to buy with 25% deposits, homeowners with 10% deposits. So homeowners now have gone full swing to needing a massive chunk of deposit, which means they're not gonna be buying. And this is another reason that stress is gonna be put on the market. Unless you've got a lot of cash available, you're not gonna be able to get onto the ladder. From a buy to let perspective, Many investors have stress tested themselves and over leveraged where they've got 75% loan to value mortgages, which is absolutely fine in terms of getting started in property. But what they, most investors do that are not thinking professionally is every time that property goes up in value, they borrow money from the house. They refinance it, refinance it, refinance it, and they stay leveraged to 75%. But the problem they have is their fees, their uh, valuations, etc. They load a lot of this cost onto the mortgage broker fee, etc. They load it on top of the 75%. So typically when you get a 75% loan to value mortgage, there's about 3% of cost on top. So in reality, your loan to value is 78%, not 75. Which means when you go to refinance, you've got a have that house have gone up in value to be able to get another 75% loan to value mortgage. Now, if you think about the stress on the market right now, and if property prices start to come down a little bit, then not only have you, are you starting off at 78% loan to value with the fees on top, if the market drops 5-10%, your loan to value might be 86-87. If you can only get a 75% loan to value mortgage on a buy to let, what that actually means for a lot of investors is they come to the end of their fixed rate period, they go to the bank to try and refix. They're not able to refix because they don't have 25% equity. They're, they're left with maybe 12 to 15% equity. And even where the market's not dropped, 
They've got 22% equity, not 25. So they still can't refix. So they're stuck on the standard variable rate product. And if they look at the small print of their mortgage offer, 75% loan to value mortgage running historically as a buy to let. You might have took it out a few years ago at three, three and a half percent. When it comes to the end of the fixed rate period, it reverts to 4% above base rate. With base rate at 5% right now, you're coming off that fixed rate product onto a 9% annual mortgage payment, and that becomes completely unaffordable. I've had one recently that the mortgage was £330 a month, the rental income is £725, it's a great rental profit. It's come to the end of its fixed rate period, the mortgage has gone to 9 plus percent, that mortgage payment is 880 quid a month, the rent is 725. If I didn't have equity, if I didn't have the ability to refix it, I would be paying 880 a month, trapped on a product that rents out for 725. I wouldn't be able to make money from the rental income, I'd be losing over 150 quid a month before maintenance, management and voids, and I wouldn't be able to sell the property because it's devalued and nobody wants to buy it. So we have always done buy, refurbish, rent, refinance, where we take out what we put in, and once we've took out what we put in, we leave that property on a long-term interest-only product, and over time, this property I'm talking about right now, that's actually got about 54% loan-to-value, which means if the market drops 10%, I can still fix it back onto another long-term product because I got significant equity. But will every landlord have future-proofed their portfolio like I did? Absolutely not. What does all this mean? Property prices are going to come down. A lot of repossessions are going to happen. A lot of people are going to be forced into negative equity. A lot of people are going to be into negative rental profits. And that will bring opportunity for those looking to get started, for those looking to get into the marketplace. The ones that will be hurt will be the amateur investors who over leveraged who did not plan and who speculated and expected that the market would always go up. Professional property investors like myself, we plan for the crash, we prepare for the crash, and we're ready for the opportunities that come in the crash. Because we always know that what went up must come down and what goes down must go back up again. You see, the property market will go back up again. We are in a period right now for the next two to three years where there's going to be significant pain and there's going to be a lot of, of challenges out there for a lot of people. But there is balance. Some will lose and some will win. It happens all of the time and it will happen again in the future. It happened in the 90s. It happened in 2007. It's about to happen in 2023 and 2024. And it'll happen again in the 2040s sometime. But in the meantime, between the 2030s, there'll be a massive rise again. Why? Because the government's long-term inflation target is 2%. Now, if the government's long-term inflation target is 2%, what they are saying is that money will devalue by 2% every single year. Now, if you borrow 100 grand, 2%, or if you have 100 grand, 2%, your money devalues by 2% a year. But actually, it compounds. So let's say you've got 100 grand sitting in a bank account. With 2% inflation, your 100 grand devalues by 2% a year. So at the end of year one, your 100 grand's buying power is only 98 grand. Now, if it devalues 2% a year for 20 years, that's a 40% drop. So many people will look at that and think their 100 grand is now only worth 60, or the buying power is worth 60. Reality is it's significantly more than that. Why? 
because if it's 2% on year one, the 100 grand devalues by 2%, which takes it to 98. And then it's 2% and 2% and 2% and it compounds. Now, if you took the same 100 grand and you put it into a property and you had 100 grand of debt, well, that money devalues over time. So 2% on the 100 grand going up would be 40 grand over 20 years. So that 100 grand property at 2% inflation, that property would be worth 140 grand in 20 years time. But compounding wise, it will actually be worth 160, maybe even 180 grand. So with even a long-term target of 2% inflation, house prices will always go up. Milk will always go up, bread will always go up, butter will always go up. But more millionaires and more billionaires are created in a crisis, in a crash, than at any other time. Why? Because there's never a better time to grab a bargain. If you can find deals right now that make money, that make your target return with high interest rates, if you can buy cheap and rent them out and make money with a high interest rate, it is common sense that you will automatically make money at a lower interest rate. Plus, with a target of 2% inflation, it will always bounce back and always go up. Because if money devalues, everything will, will go up in price. It is the way the world works, it's the way it's always worked. So if you want to become wealthy, do not wait to buy property. You buy the right type of property in the right way at any time and then wait for the market to take care of itself. So I hope that gave you some insight into inflation and the property market and what's happening out there right now. By the way, there was a lot of detail there. If you want to know more, get yourself to one of our events. We run a three-day property event, multiple streams of property income, where we talk about this in deep dive detail. We demonstrate it on the flip chart, on the slides, on the board, where you can see and picture what I spoke through. I mentioned a lot of numbers there. I mean, if you're driving in your car, maybe you're trying to keep up with that and you're thinking, oh, it's a little bit high level for me. I, I don't get that. Because quite often a picture speaks a thousand words and it's very difficult for me to, to paint you a picture on a podcast. So get yourself to one of our events, come and meet me, have a conversation around inflation, around the property market and where the opportunities are in the marketplace right now. Because there's some major opportunities out there for things like lease option agreements and exchange delayed completions and vendor finance. There is people that will want to sell in the current property market, but there are people that will need to sell. And it's the ones that need to sell that you can help and make money at the same time. So you've been listening to Kevin McDonald. This has been the Progressive Property Podcast. Make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss future episodes. We're out every single Tuesday. I've been Kevin, you've been amazing, and I'll see you next week.